Welcome to session four of the Kingdom Essential Growth Group that's uh, taking place on Sunday mornings at 8.30 to to 9.30 at Second Baptist Church uh, in the adult uh, classroom by the welcome desk. And before we start into session four here today, I want to encourage you to listen to sessions one, two, and three, because all the sessions build on on each other, giving a a, a bigger picture of uh, the kingdom of God and the essentials of the kingdom that we should understand and know. And uh, just as a quick uh, review over the last three sessions, we've talked about defining the kingdom of God, and we defined it as God's right to rule or his authority uh, to rule. And we also talked about the Jewish expectations uh, that they had when Jesus uh, shows up and he starts to proclaim that the kingdom of God had drawn near and what they would have been expecting. And And then we talked. Uh, I talked about the um, the uh, already and the not, not yet as a, a different perspective of the kingdom of God that Jesus brings compared to what the Jewish people were expecting. And with that already and not yet, we talked about how uh, the powers of the age to come had broken into this evil age. And in Jesus, he was uh, starting the defeat of all of God's enemies. And we also talked about how with the age to come breaking into this current current age we live in, that we can now experience and enjoy a measure of the blessings and the benefits of the kingdom of God that, that were previously reserved and thought were only a part of the future coming age. And then uh, we also talked about uh, this past week was what are the implications for us who are in Christ, who are believers in Christ and followers of Christ? What's the implications for us now that Jesus has come and that the, uh, the coming age, the future age, has broken into this age and the, and the kingdom has come in part, not in full fullness, which will happen when Jesus returns, but what we have right now and what are the implications for us in our relationship with God and who we are in Christ? That's what we kind of covered in sessions one, two, and three. And this week, we're going to I'm going to be speaking to you about. Um, today, we're going to talk about the demands uh, that the kingdom of God uh, place upon us. With that said, let's just jump right into it. Um, start off with just throwing out some questions to you before we read three different scriptures, and that being, uh, what kind of demand does the kingdom of God put upon us to receive and enter into the experience of the life of the kingdom? How do we obtain the righteousness of the kingdom? How do we uh, experience the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that imparts the life of the future age, as we have been have we, as we've been talking about? Well, let's look at uh, John chapter, not John, actually uh, Romans chapter ten. And, and before I forget, I forgot to mention at the very beginning that below the post here, you're going to see all the scriptures that we'll be reading through. That I'll be I'll, I'll be reading as we uh, go through this podcast, so you can uh, read along with me with those scriptures. It's from the ESV uh, translation, and we're going to be re- reading first is uh, Romans chapter ten, verse nine through ten, and uh, it says here. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Look at Acts 16, verse 29 to 31. It says, And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And now look at John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. It reads, 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, that by believing you may have life in his name. So what do these three scriptures tell us? What is demanded of us if we want to receive and enter into the experience of the life of the kingdom? And here it basically says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, or believe in your heart and believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So that leads to another question. Does it simply mean that to experience the life of the kingdom of God, is, is, we can experience that by just simply having making a verbal confession or uh, believing in the resurrection and the, the deity of Christ, like we believe those facts? Does it mean just believing in a creed, all the different uh, uh, statements of faith that are there? Or, or is it maybe just believing the right things in ter- and, and in turn we get to have the life of the kingdom? Can saying just those three words, Jesus is Lord, give us, can that just give us the life of the kingdom? What does it really mean to confess Jesus as Lord and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me give you an example. Say you're at church on a Sunday morning and uh, the message is being preached and, and uh, someone just states, say, uh, just come and, and uh, make this statement. Just confess that Jesus is Lord and you'll be given the life of the kingdom. Now, a person comes up and says Jesus is Lord, but they really... Um, Life never changes for them. They've not really believed it. They've just made a statement. They maybe believe some truths about Jesus, but they don't know him personally. Um, so that's that's one example. Is that really going to uh, enable somebody to experience a life of the kingdom of God? Um, we'll come back to this at the end. For now, let's let's jump into uh, a little bit more detail what that might mean to uh, believe that Jesus is Christ or believe in the Lord Jesus or confess that Jesus is Lord and, and confessing with your mouth. Uh, let's let's look at a couple other scriptures and talk about what that what those demands really mean for someone uh, if they're going to experience the life uh, of the blessings of the, of the kingdom of God. So let's look at Mark chapter one, verse one. Uh, excuse me, verse 14 through 15. This is um, Jesus speaking here. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into, the, into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now this, uh, this is, we've used this scripture uh, numerous times over the last three sessions, and here we have here, and it, this is a, a key one where Jesus comes on the scene, and he, here's the, he, he lets us know the gospel of God, the good news that God sends Jesus to proclaim is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So what, what demands does the kingdom of God place on us here? What does Jesus say the, the demands, demands of the kingdom are to experience the kingdom? He says, repent and believe, right? Jesus comes proclaiming the nearness of, the, of God's kingdom, and he makes this demand, repent and believe. Now the question is, is that the demand? Because that's an action, an action we take. But before we make take that action of repenting, because what does repent mean? It means to turn around and go another way. So reverse our courses, change the direction of our life. It, it means a brand new action that's different from a previous one. 
So that's an action that someone takes. But before an action is taken, there's a decision that has to be made. And see, that's what the what what the, uh, the kingdom of God demands of us to make a decision. So when Jesus comes proclaiming and he he comes to the people, are we here? Are we encountering God? And God speaks to us in very very various ways. When He speaks to us, it confronts us to make a decision. That's the demand. Make a decision. The kingdom of God right now, it's here right now. What are you going to do about it? Make a decision. And just so we know, no decision is a decision. But that's the demands of the kingdom. It confronts us with the reality of God, the reality that we have to face Him, and it demands of us a decision. What are you going to do in response to this good news? And Jesus says, repent. And, and just we talk about it in general, what does that mean? Uh, it just means that word means in, it means to turn around, to go a different way, to change your, the direction of your life, to, 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 to take a brand new action that's different than all the previous actions. And now specifically in this case, what Jesus is um, saying here, he's, he's saying, you know, the, the gospel of God is here. The, the time, he's proclaiming the gospel of God. He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In this specifically, in this moment, what's the decision Jesus is asking the, us to make? He's saying, believe this good news. Believe this in, in those that are hearing it. And we, as we hear it, he's, he's, saying, he's saying, believe the good news. God has shown up. They were waiting for God to show up. God had drawn near to them. And he's saying, embrace that reality. Don't hold on to what you thought. Change direction. The God's kingdom is here. God's king is here. Now it's time to submit to God as king and his rule instead of your own. Or even instead of instead of the rule of the religious institution they were connected to, which at that point was Judaism, and Jesus is going to challenge that. It's him you follow, not a system, not an institution. And it's the same for us. Jesus comes and confronts us. And when he calls us to repent and believe the good news, that means he's king, and it's submitting to his rule over life, not our own, and not that of an institution, but him. For as we receive and submit to God's right to rule, as we submit to that, then, then we're able to receive and experience the life of the kingdom and of the age to come. Another question also is, what does repent not mean? In this case, it, it does not mean God's kingdom is asking us to find in our own self uh, our righteousness that the kingdom demands. See, only God can give us the righteousness of, uh, righteousness of the kingdom. God's kingdom doesn't demand that we create the life of the kingdom that it requires. See, God's kingdom alone can give us this life. God's kingdom doesn't demand a, a certain standard of us and says to us, when you finally achieve this standard of righteousness in life, you can enter the kingdom. No, it's repent. It's follow Jesus. It's submit to him and his rule. God's kingdom has come to save us. Let's look at a, another uh, scripture um, and what, what demands uh, Jesus says are placed upon us. And this is in Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. It says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. 
And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their dead, their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. Let's look at the first first person that's in verse 57 through 58, who says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus responds to him, uh, to this potential follower. Here's someone saying, I want to be with you. I want to follow you. And what what is Jesus getting at by his comment when he says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Why is he saying that? Why, what's the purpose of that respond? And what is he getting at? And Jesus is challenging this potential disciple and his decision. He's asking him, do you understand what, what it's going to involve if you follow me? I, I don't have a place to lay my head. I, I, you know, uh, if, you, if you're going to be a disciple of me, you're going to be with, uh, with someone who is homeless, someone who has no standing in society, uh, no say in society. Have you thought this through? Do you understand the implications of following me? So in Jesus' response, he's really saying, are you sure about this? He's challenging, he's, 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 he's asking him, he's demanding of him to make a thoughtful decision. Think this through. This is not something to take lightly because the cost is high to follow me. Let's look at a different, the next person, verse 59 through 60, where Jesus says to someone, follow me. So he's inviting him, he's calling him out, follow me. But the person responds to Jesus, let me first go bury the dead. I mean, first go bury my father. Here's another person who seems ready to make a decision, but there's something else to be done first. And what is the man really saying to Jesus? The man is saying to Jesus, yes, I want to follow you, but can you wait just a little bit? There are some prior things I want to get done. Let me first care for those things, then I'll follow you. And what does Jesus respond? How does he respond? Jesus says, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Well, that sounds it sounds pretty harsh response to Jesus. But Jesus is telling them. Leave those who are physically dead to be buried by those who are spiritually dead. But you, you, who I'm calling to follow me right now, you must go and proclaim the kingdom. The kingdom of God demands an immediate, urgent decision that cannot be put off. When the call comes to you, you can't make light of it. That's what he's saying. So many people may think, I must live my life first. I have, I have this career. I have this job I want to take care of. Uh, I have important plans for my life. I've, I've made uh, these plans and ambitions I have for the future. And I have my family to take care of. I have my obligations I need to take care of. There are these things that, that they want to do first. And Jesus is saying, you can't put me off. He's saying, I'm, I'm calling you right now. The time is now to make that decision it's got to be thoughtful, but it's also got to be immediate. It's here. You have to respond in this moment. And it's an urgent response he's calling for. Now, that doesn't mean we, we ignore people. Because the, the response is, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to submit to his, his rule over my life and let him govern me and how I live my life in those situations. Right? And so that, that's the important part, that we follow Jesus. 
But we make that decision. The decision is to follow him, to submit to his rule. And that decision that you make to follow him has to be immediate, urgent, thoughtful, unwavering, and unchangeable. Next in uh, verse 61 to to 62, the man recognizes that he should submit uh, to the kingdom of God and that he should become a disciple, but he asks permission to do something first, say, say goodbye to those at my home. This sounds like an okay request by the man. But let's look at Jesus' response in 62. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What is Jesus' response challenging? What is the demand that Jesus is making? So what we have here is a person who is um, who's professing that they are willing to make a decision, but there's something, some kind of reluctance, some kind of hesitancy that they they want to go back and say goodbye to the family. They're wanting it one a moment, just just as the previous one. And Jesus is saying, when it comes to the kingdom of God, there is no room for reluctance, no hesitancy. If someone is going to say yes to the kingdom and its claims on their life, there can be no hesitation and no looking back. There can't be any grasping for what's left behind or clinging to our past. There can't be any uncertainty in one's decision to go all the way in on Jesus. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. See, the kingdom demands this radical, unshakable, unchangeable, unwavering decision to be made. So we can already see there's much more to um, a decision for Jesus than just verbalizing Jesus is Lord and uh, and going about our life. It's much more than uh, saying Jesus is the Christ or, or believing in some creed. There's much more to it, as we see here, these, these demands that involve submitting our life to God's rule. That's, that's the essential. We're talking about God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, God's right to rule. He's showing up, and there's a, coming a point in the future when Jesus returns, and it's, we, we, we sing songs, we talk about it, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. But that's in the future. Everyone will do that. Right now, he's giving us the opportunity you can make a decision that you can bow your knee, confess that he's Lord, and that bowing to me means from this day forward, from this moment forward, I'm submitting to your rule in my life. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect from here on out, but from this period forward, we see him as my Lord and, and Savior. Not just Savior, but Lord. And so here are these demands that uh, the kingdom uh, places upon us. So let's look at a couple more. Uh, we're going to look at chapter... 14 of Luke, verse 25 through 26, and Matthew 10, verse 34 to 37, and then talk a little bit more about that. He says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his, his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow, that's a hard one. Matthew 10, 34-37 says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. This is Jesus talking, by the way. He says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves 
son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In these two scripture references, what is Jesus really telling us about the potential or the or the really the, the likely cost of being one of his followers and submitting to his rule? Uh, we're saying here that the, first, uh, the, the second one talked about the sword. Sometimes the decisions that we make for the kingdom of God is going to be just like a sword, which is going to cut across relationships we have, some close relationship we have, and he's going to be, bring suffering and pain. And so we'll say, well, I thought Jesus came to bring peace on earth. Yes, he has come to bring peace. That peace is only found in him and found in submitting to his rule in our life. And he's saying that the reality is that when we make decisions for the kingdom, Remember we talked about I talked about in early sessions about this is this age we live in is an evil age and it continues to go on even though the, the future age is broken in and there's a reality of the kingdom has come and, and brought the reality of the life of the kingdom to us we are, as followers. We live in an evil age and where the enemy of our soul is is actively uh, oppressing or, or trying to stop the work of God in our life. And so he does it through relationships. And Jesus said, when you make those decisions sometimes to follow me. And, and do what I'm calling you to do, it will cut across relationships and it can bring pain and suffering. And then it says, Jesus even says, talks about uh, hating family members. And hatred is a really strong word, but he's, this is a hyperbole here, which means he uses this extreme exaggeration to make a point. Even in, that's in Luke 14, but in Matthew 10, he talks about, and whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. So he's not saying that we should hate that word, uh, that, that being at, at odds with purposely of other people. What he's saying is, in those moments where we make those decisions, he's saying if family ties and the affections we have for other people get in the way of the claims of the kingdom, the kingdom of God takes place. He's saying those relationships uh, where it's uh, wife, husband, children, brother, sister, uh, father, mother, those relationships do not determine our affection and love for Jesus and his kingdom. No, it's the other way around. Our relationship with Jesus and our love and affection for him and his kingdom are what determines how our relationships with others are going to be. Even if this means when we make those decisions, it brings a sword, sometimes even violence towards us. We here in America may not face that reality that it can bring physical violence to us by making our decisions for Christ, but in other countries that happens at, at different times and people that make decisions to follow Jesus, they face this reality. It not just brings hatred from others, it brings violence, real violence. And we have to come to the grips with this as a, whether we're in America or another country. If the demands of the kingdom have confronted us and we make that decision to follow Jesus' leading, but there's a family member, whether it's a father or mother or husband or wife, who tells us that we cannot follow Jesus and have their affection, then there's only one decision we can make, and that's for God and his kingdom. And I know that's going to be hard for some people, but that's the reality. The demand of the kingdom, he and his kingdom come before relationships with other people. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 through 22. And it reads here, And behold, a man came up to him, came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? 
There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had a great he had great possessions. It's kind of interesting how Jesus answers uh, the the man's question when he's like, "What am I must do to have eternal life?" and and uh, and Jesus' response is, "If you would want to enter life in the kingdom, keep the commandments." And the guy's response is, "Which ones?" And Jesus says starts listing a couple of them. I'm thinking like, why didn't Jesus say all of them? But he starts just to list a few of them. And the man says, he responds to them. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And instead of saying all, Jesus uh, starts listing a few. And the guy said, I have done those. So let's get back to the point of the, the, the demands of the kingdom here. Now, what does this scripture tell us here about the cost of the decision to embrace the kingdom of God? For this man, for this man that comes to Jesus, the decision to follow Jesus was hard because it was going to cost him greatly. Jesus is letting the man know that his wealth is getting in the way. And that's why he says, go sell everything you have, and then you will be free to follow me. The next question would be, is, is selling everything that he owned uh, uh, is that the point of becoming a disciple, or is there more to uh, becoming a disciple of Jesus? Uh, the man could have seen. The man could have sold everything he had, and he become poor. Give it to the poor, and he becomes poor. And yet, he still could remain outside the kingdom. See, getting rid of all the wealth was not itself the point of becoming a disciple. Although in this case, it was necessary for this man to be able to follow Jesus and become a disciple. The decision that needed to be made was to follow Jesus as Lord and submit to his rule. Here, Jesus comes and says, here's the kingdom is here. He's not saying this man, but that's what he's been proclaiming. That's what people are hearing. And he's telling, is is repent, meaning turn and now respond to me. And the man is asking about how do I uh, enter life? And here, and Jesus tells him, this is what it's going to take. Get rid of your wealth so you can follow me. Wealth at this point is a hindrance to this man. It's not that way for everybody. Not everybody. Jesus is not uh, demanding that uh, we everybody sell everything they have and give to the poor. Jesus is not looking to, to make everyone people of poverty. Jesus is looking to deliver us from any uh, false sense of security we may have in thinking we have the ability to, to accumulate wealth and thinking we can be free from all our anxiety from what we can do and what we can earn. He's freeing, trying to free this man from that and us, us too. But see, hindrance for him to follow Jesus at this point is wealth, all his riches he was holding on to. And Jesus knew the man had that. He loved him enough to confront him saying, the demand for you to finally be able to 
make the decision to follow me means you're going to have to let go of all your wealth. See, the, the demand is for a decision to be submitted to God and his kingdom. And if wealth gets in the way of that decision, then wealth at that point has become evil. Because wealth is not in itself evil. But when it has our heart and it becomes our idol, it becomes our God, then there's a problem. See, the wealthy man had a barrier in front of him uh, that uh, kept him from making the decision to become a follower. And for him, the hindrance was letting go of that wealth. But Jesus, see, he, he demands our affection, and our affections cannot give way to other things. First and foremost, the loyalty, loyalty of our affections, of our heart, are supposed to be for our King Jesus and for the kingdom of God. So what are some other things that can be hindrances to the decision to follow Jesus and submit to the kingdom of God? You may be hearing me and think, oh, I'm not rich and that's not an issue for me. But it, it can be other things. Like wealth can be other things. It can, doesn't mean just money. You can have this career and this wealth. You can have stuff. You can have these hobbies. You can have this sense of control, and that's a wealth to you. That's something that has your heart. Uh, maybe it's a position somewhere. Maybe it's power that you have. Maybe it's a personal ambition. Maybe it's the influence that you have. Uh, maybe it's fitting in. Maybe it's relationships. Or maybe even like my rights. That's a big one in America. I have my rights. And, and, and that's getting in the way. That's a hindrance to following Jesus and submitting to him as king, as Lord. And if that's the hindrance, Jesus will confront us at those places because he wants us to enjoy the life of the future kingdom right now, a measure of it right now. And that only comes as we get other things out of our way. The hindrances to us responding fully with all our heart for Jesus keep us from enjoying a measure of the kingdom to come. So at the very root of the demands of the kingdom is this reality that a person has to have the kingdom of God as the center of the orientation of their entire life and that every other interest must become secondary and subservient to God's right to rule in their life and to our King Jesus. And the thing is, as long as we uh, live within this evil age, there's going to be a continual pull of our personal interests. Um, I still deal with it. Anybody hearing me? We, we live in this world, and we are, we are often concerned about ourselves. And over and over, God's going to challenge that when he sees that it's becoming something of a hindrance to us, submitting to, to Jesus' rule. He's not doing it to punish us. He's doing it to confront us that we let that put aside so we can enjoy more of what he has intended and purpose for us in Christ. And this here is why the, the decision for the kingdom, the demands of the kingdom, that decision he demands of us, it has to be an intentional one. It has to be a thoughtful one. It has to be radical, decisive, unshakable, unchangeable, unwavering decision. And you think like, oh, I can't do that and make that one time. No, this is a lifetime. Back to that word, repent. Changing course. We, we are going one way where we were ruling our life. And now we're saying, no, I'm going to follow Jesus. While we live in this age, we're still a, a people prone to sin and prone to taking and, and taking charge again over our life. And, you know, the thing is, 
you know, I thought I was a, a pretty good king over my life. And then when Jesus came as a, as a new believer in him, I still wanted to be king. And over years, I realized I'm not a really good king. He's a lot better at it than me, and he knows what's good for me. And it's been times of uh, seasons of moving along with him, sometimes uh, veering off course, taking my own way. But he always comes in his love for me to confront me with those things, to lay down those hindrances for me enjoying the life I, I, I meant to have in him. And it's for all of us. While we live in this age, while we live in this, this time frame before death, we will deal with this back and forth. So we're starting this relationship. It's a good thing to remember. When we, when we submit to, to him as king and we're following him, here's this reality. It's this relationship that's going on that we're going to continue to grow. And just like you have any friendship that you have or husband and wife, you're starting this relationship. And it's, 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 over time, there's going to be confrontation. There's the things that, that hinder the relationship. And we have to take it, the time intentionally and put those things aside that we can enjoy and have a greater sense of the relationship to continue to move forward. And that's the same thing. It's with Jesus. We're walking with him. We're following him. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to continue to work within our hearts and give us the grace we need to place those hindrances aside so we can enjoy a greater life with him. That doesn't mean when someone hears me say that, they may be thinking like, I'm going to get a new car, I'm going to get a new house. It's not about things. It's about relationships with him. And the reality is it's, it's not just a relationship with him. It's a relationship with his, with his uh, other followers of Jesus, our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's, that's part of the treasure. We get to experience more and more of the treasure of the kingdom. And that's relationship with God where God gives us uh, back the Father to us so we can have relationship with him. Well, let's look at a couple of other uh, scriptures here. Uh, Matthew chapter 38 and Luke 9, 23. It says in Matthew 10, it says, Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And Luke 9, 23, and here's Jesus again. He says to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Wow. Here's the demands of the kingdom. Here in these two scriptures um, is deny oneself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. So let's talk about what this means to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. Uh, First of all, let's talk about what it doesn't mean. Uh, Jesus doesn't mean denying things to oneself. Like, you know, during Easter time when I was growing up, I know the the religious tradition we were part of was you had to give up something, sacrifice something, you know, candy or dessert or meat or whatever it was, or certain meals. And it was, it was denying things to oneself. But that's not what Jesus says here. He says deny oneself. It is taking on personal sacrifice of one's own will and their desires for the sake of Jesus in relationship with him and following him. And when Jesus speaks of a cross, somebody said, what does that mean? It does not mean a physical burden we may bear or a headache or arthritis or a physical weakness or, or maybe you've got a terrible job or maybe your, your boss uh, has this short temper or maybe this broken down old car and you, you say, I got this cross to bear these things. Those are not crosses. Those are burdens we have to bear. 
See, the cross uh, that Jesus is talking about is not a burden that we sometimes uh, feel overwhelmed by. The reality is the cross was never a burden. The cross is an instrument of death. And one does not talk about bearing the burden of a cross. When that, when, that's because when they're, they're taking up the cross, they're, they're going to die. That's the point of being the cross. So Jesus is saying, deny yourself. Deny your, your, your will and your desires in, in giving me uh, yourself to, to, to Jesus. And then the cross is, you're dying to yourself. When someone is denying themselves and taking up their cross, they no longer have their own personal calendar. The, that determines like what they're going to do. Like I, I, someone, when you're walking, you're walking with the cross, and you're going, and someone says, "Hey, hey, can I, can we get together for lunch tomorrow?" And you look at it. I don't have a tomorrow. Right now, I have this moment. And see, when we 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 no longer have our personal calendar that determines what we're going to do, our purpose is being determined by someone else. Yes, we have calendar. We make appointments to doctors to meet friends and do that. Those are all the reality. But the reality is if God says, no, it's time to do something else, we have to be willing to lay that down and die to ourselves. See, we no longer have any agenda of our own. Our will is given over to another. And, and that's, that other is Jesus. Now, does this mean that every Christian must suffer a physical death for their faith? No, that's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that either. Uh, but that every disciple of Jesus must be ready to die. There may come a time when we have to face a choice between physical death and loyalty to Jesus and his kingdom, and, and we need to be ready to choose death. But for most of us, most of us throughout our life, we'll face the choice between death to our will and our so-called rights that we call them here in America. And we'll have, to, we'll have to choose between that and the loyalty to Jesus and his kingdom. And that's the decision. It starts with the initial following Jesus in that point. And now we're confronted with this reality of, of dying to our will and loyalty to Jesus, dying to our rights to ourselves and loyalty to his kingdom. And we have that moment to, to decide. And, and it, there's going to be oftentimes we decide not to be loyal to Jesus and so we're going to do our own thing. But as we grow in Christ, as we follow him closer, that happens less and less. It should happen less and less. So what does denying oneself and cross-bearing pave the way for? It, it, it removes the hindrances to following Jesus and submitting to his rule. See, taking up his cross is a question about lordship, about being under the mastery of Jesus. Christ cannot rule our life until we count ourselves completely dead and crucified with him. See, there can only be one ruler in my life. It's either going to be ourself or it's going to be Jesus. And where we had just talked about the hindrances like the rich man, his wealth, or we talked about control, stuff, hobbies, power, personal ambitions, uh, relationships, our rights, all those things are hindrances. Here in this aspect of denying oneself and taking up one's cross, here the hindrance is our very self. That's the hindrance, what it really comes down to. And we have to make a decision in following Jesus or following ourself. The great news about the kingdom of God is that in those initial moments that we uh, 
are by the Holy Spirit made aware of God in Christ. And the Spirit of God is enabling us to finally say yes to the decision to follow Jesus. And we make that initial decision. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, is poured out on us and comes to live within us and empowers us to continue to say yes to Jesus. Yes, there's going to be moments we are going to be self-willed and pursue our way, but there's going to be the Holy Spirit working in our life, continually drawing us back to Jesus. That's just the, the, the good news of the kingdom. Jesus didn't come just to die to forgive us our sins. He came also to die for us that we might receive the Holy Spirit, that we might experience the reality of the life of the kingdom to come and the power of the coming age that empowers us to live a completely different life. Just as it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're a new creation. We're, we're something what we've never been before, a person empowered and enlivened by the Spirit of God to allow us to follow these demands and experience the abundant life promises to those who say yes to him as Lord and Savior. Now, uh, just for a moment, go back to the first three scripture references we read where it talked about uh, the, the, the man's initial question was, what, what demands of the kingdom place on us? Uh, to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, to believe in our heart, to believe in the Lord Jesus and to, to believe that Jesus is a Christ and by believing we can have life. And those seem some simple words where I said that we, we expressed that that, that is not, does not mean we just make a verbal expression that nothing happens within us, that we just have to believe some, some facts about Jesus' life. No, it's about following him. Jesus' call in that is to submit to him as we see in the other scripture we started looking through as Jesus calls people to follow him. And that's the decision, is laying down our will to take up his will, to lay down our rule over our life, to pick up his rule, letting him, his rule over our life. Just as Adam and Eve, God called them to be underneath his rule, and they made a choice to go out on their own. At that point, that sin is the one that has followed us all along. Humanity has, has done the same thing all along. Now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the good news that when we decide to follow Jesus, he lives in us, makes us brand new and enables us to say yes, but we can also still say no because during this time we're within this evil age and we're still not completely healed and experience the fullness of the kingdom. But the reality is God is changing our heart. And it's much more than we initially talked about. And just like, maybe you're just like me, when I first heard the gospel message and started reading it, I had no understanding of all the demands. All I heard was about Jesus dying for my sins and, and, and him giving his life. And the message of the gospel that, that he gave his life so we could be forgiven and being accept, be made acceptable to the Father and have eternal life. And place your faith in him. And, and I responded. And that was a simple message that I heard. But I also really had an encounter with the Spirit of God in those in that early time frame. And you may be the same. And you never really heard these demands. But as I walked along, I started hearing and understanding these demands. Especially when, about 20 years ago, uh, really reading and studying these aspects of the kingdom of God. And what the, that means and what it calls for us, the implications and the blessings and benefits we get to experience of the measure of the future kingdom, but also the demands of the kingdom that are, are upon us to live a life that allow us to, to, to remove hindrances in our life from keeping us fully given over to Jesus and experiencing the life, the full life that he intended for us now. 
And so I encourage you. Um, it's not just that simple message of saying, I want to take Jesus into my heart. No, it's much more than that, as we've seen. There's a demand for the kingdom, not to earn getting a member. The beginning that, that repent does not mean, um, uh, that believing does not mean, uh, you know, establishing a certain standard in your life before you can experience a measure of the kingdom. It doesn't mean uh, determining or becoming righteous and living such a righteous life, you now can earn it. It's not about that. It's all by grace. And that starts to walk. But the reality is, to deepen the relationship and experience more of the, the age to come in our life, it means there's certain things in our life that have to be removed that are hindrances to the relationship with the Father. And I love, he brings us to those points that, that we actually understand. Here's this treasure of the kingdom, and here's this thing I'm holding on to. And, and, and we have to make the decision, do we want the treasure or we hold on to the hindrance? And we can hold on to the hindrance. He's not going to force us. He still loves us. He doesn't love us any less, and he's not going to love us any more if we give it up. But we'll get to experience more of what that love means. Not that he's going to give us more, just that our experience of, of, of that is, is different. And so I encourage you. Uh, make that decision initially. Follow Jesus if you're hearing me for the first time. Give your life to him and say, Jesus, I want to follow you and pursue him and start to uh, function in the way and start to, 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 to spend time in the scripture, spend time praying with him. And next week, we're going to talk about praying if that's something that's new to you. And we're going to start to talk about prayer next session. But uh, I want to encourage you that. But if, if you're a believer and been a believer a long time, and this is new to you, and you've, like, I've only heard the, the benefits. Here's the demands. And maybe you're getting confronted right now with something in your life that's a hindrance to your walk with Jesus. I encourage you. Uh, give, ask him to give you the grace to lay that down, that you might experience a, a greater relation, relationship with Jesus and the Father and have the life and the power of the age to come actively at work in your life. Well, until next week, God bless.